0: Hello and welcome to the first paediatric research podcast of 2014. I'm Charlotte Stoddart. In this show, Jack Widness from the University of Iowa tells us about a new method for tracking red blood cell survival in infants. Knowing about the survival of red blood cells gives researchers valuable information about anaemia, information that can inform transfusion practices in the clinic. But for the last 40 years, there hasn't been a way to track red blood cells in infants. The standard method involves attaching radioactive chromium-51 ions to the cells. This is commonly done in adults, but in the late 1960s, concern about using radioactive labels in vulnerable populations put a stop to its use in infants. Since then, researchers haven't had a good tool for investigating anemia in this population. Now, Jack Widness and colleagues have shown that a different method, using biotin to label the cells, is effective in a group of critically ill, premature babies. And the method has several advantages over chromium-51. I started by asking Jack whether anemia is a common problem on paediatric wards.
2: It is, and... As a neonatologist, it's extremely common in the NICU where we have the tiniest babies. And this is largely because these infants uh, require intensive care for their critical conditions, which requires frequent blood sampling, which is the main contributor to anemia in the infant and the toddler.
0: How often, then, is a blood transfusion necessary?
2: Very frequently. To give you an example, in the United States... Infants that are under 1,000 grams, these are ones that are considered extremely low birth weight, about 90% of these infants will require a transfusion before they're discharged home. And most of these transfusions are given in the first few weeks of life when uh, these infants are the sickest and when the blood loss is greatest.
0: And how do doctors keep tabs on anemia? How do they know when to do a transfusion, how much blood is, is needed?
2: Well, we're... Facing the transfusion needs, uh, the volumes and the periods between transfusion in terms of the, the hemoglobin levels, and we really know nothing about uh, how long those red cells are surviving in the circulation, which is a contributor to anemia, and we don't know which are the best blood products to be given the infant. To uh, detail that last point further, I mean, there has been uh, the tradition of using adult donor cells, but there is... Uh, research investigating whether the infant's own cells might be better for a number of reasons to transfuse the infant. But without the ability to look at survival of those two cells, and we've not had that for the last 40 years, that question uh, remains unanswered.
0: What was your aim in the study that you're publishing in pediatric research?
2: Well, our aim was to uh, look at a new method that we've been uh, developing for looking at red cell survival. And this is a method that we'd uh, employed in adults several years before to learn the methodology. It's a method uh, where biotin, which is a a vitamin, is bound to the surface of red cells, and then it can be followed in the circulation using a flow cytometer, which is different than what had been used for chromium binding to red cells, which required uh, the measurement of radioactivity in a whole blood sample.
0: And this presumably is a method that can be applied to infants.
2: Right. That's exactly what we did in the the present study. Furthermore, one of the large advantages of uh, the biotin method is that different densities, different amounts of biotin can be put on different groups of red cells. For example, if we were to use blood that an infant was being transfused, such as we did in this study, we could put an aliquot of the blood they were to receive in four different test tubes, and each of these test tubes would be incubated in a different concentration of biotin. And by doing this, you can have different densities of biotin on the surface of red cells. And these different densities, each can be separated from one another using flow cytometry. So unlike chromium-51, in which the label can only be used once for one population, with biotin, in the same infant, you can look at multiple populations of red cells at the same time. That's a huge advantage, particularly in infants. We could simultaneously study the infant's own red cells at the same time they're receiving adult cells from another donor. Both of those can be followed simultaneously, and we demonstrated that in this study using different densities of biotin.
0: Who was your study group for this?
2: This was a study in which we uh, studied very low birth weight infants. These are infants under 1,500 grams who were being ventilated. There is one other thing that uh, I should mention, which is quite important, is that all of these studies were done on blood which was otherwise discarded from infants. And this is something that's possible with flow cytometry, so that all the studies could be done on blood samples that were less than 10 microliters. So with these critically ill infants who are having many blood samples, we just took advantage of instead of throwing and discarding the uh, red cells, we salvaged this and were able to measure this in the flow cytometer very accurately. On uh, 10 uh, microliters of blood, you can measure you know, millions of red cells so that the uh, accuracy and sensitivity of this assay is, is very high, which is another advantage over the uh, chromium method.
0: And um, what did you find?
2: Well, our approach was similar to what we had done in adults. That is, we selected four different densities of biotin that are easily distinguished from one another and can be followed simultaneously. What we found with respect to the, the four densities was quite similar to observations in adults. That is, the three lowest densities all tracked one another in the same manner during the eight weeks that we studied This indicates that at least the three lowest densities can be used interchangeably with one another for doing red cell survival. We did one other thing in this study. Donors and recipients often have minor red cell antigens. These are proteins on the surface of red cells that are different between the donor and recipient. And in cases where there was a mismatch, we looked at that as well. The important point here is that the results when we compared the minor red cell antigen tracking survival, and these were unmanipulated cells, is that we got exactly the same survival by tracking of the three lowest biotin densities. This confirms that we were not injuring the cells and that, in fact, the biotin labeling gives us true red cell survival without an artifact being present due to the biotinylation procedure.
0: You say that the three lowest densities of biotin work very well as labels. What about the other, higher density?
2: The higher density disappeared more rapidly. And so it would not be usable in a red cell survival study. And this was similar to what we found in adults. That is, the same highest density was eliminated more rapidly. We would only recommend using the three lower biotin densities.
0: And are those three lower biotin densities easy to use as labels for red blood cells? Is this something that um, many research groups could now um, start using?
2: The procedure for doing the biotinylation is very simple. The uh, reagents are commercially available. They're inexpensive. Of course, when you label red cells, this needs to be done in a sterile environment. All of those things are not uh, problematic, nor is the measurement. The disadvantage is that one needs to go through the FDA or another regulatory body to have permission uh, to use these at present. It's possible in the future that may change, but I think that's quite a ways down the road.
0: What kind of studies, then, do you hope researchers might do using these biotin labels?
2: Well, there's there's several uh, studies that come to mind. One I mentioned earlier, which is to compare the infant's own uh, red cell survival concurrently with the adult cells, and uh, in fact, we have uh, conducted uh, such a study. We've reported it in abstract form, and uh, our results were startling, at least to us. What we found was that uh, in a small group of uh, eight infants is that the survival of the infant cells and the adult cells were indistinguishable from one another. The uh, literature would suggest that adult cells generally last uh, in the circulation, that is, they survive twice as long as the infants, and that's what we'd been expecting to observe. But in fact, we found that the results were not different from one another.
0: Does that have implications for clinical transfusion practices?
2: Well, I think it does in terms of how we think about these. Uh, One might have argued previously that giving adult cells, donor cells, would have an advantage over using the infant's own red cells because they survive twice as long. If they don't survive twice as long, well, then either one, at least from a survival standpoint, would be equally good. This has important implications in studies and practices in terms of delayed cord clamping or in terms of collecting cord blood from the infant and giving it back to the infant. The cells of the infant's would be expected to survive just as long as donor cells. So I think this is an important bit of information that we've not had before. The methodology can also be used for looking at different red cell media in which cells are kept and maintained in the blood bank for looking at improved uh, survival of red cells with different uh, donor media.
0: Do you think biotin could replace chromium altogether as a label for monitoring red blood cell survival?
2: That's an excellent question. Um, We think that someday it may, but uh, there's more research that uh, needs to be done in terms of the uh, uh, efficacy and safety of this. But our information thus far, uh, we are optimistic that uh, it may prove uh, superior to chromium and uh, possibly may replace it uh, someday.
0: Jack Widness from the University of Iowa. His paper on tracking red blood cell survival is in the December 2013 issue of Pediatric Research and online at nature.com forward slash PR. Jack and colleagues also looked at red blood cell volume using the same study subjects and biotin labelling method. Those findings are published in the November issue of Pediatric Research. That's all for this show. Join me again in March for the next episode. Until then, from me, Charlotte Stoddart, goodbye and thanks for listening.
2: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts.
1: Here's a show that we recommend.